Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon. We are brought to you by the Fans First Sports Network here to talk to you about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD. I'm joined this week by Josh, making his triumphant return to the Canon Cast. Josh, how you been? I'm good. It's been uh, probably almost a year. I don't even remember the last one I was on. <laughs> I briefly popped in when we uh, when we signed Johnny Hockey, but I think that was the last uh, last my voice had been heard. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're, we're glad to have you back. Uh, obviously, you've been writing a lot for us on the site. Uh, last week, we talked about the Larson firing and all of that. Uh, did you have any additional thoughts to share your take on Larson getting fired, your take on just how this season went, what went wrong with this team? Uh, what, what's your sort of brief summary of the state of the Blue Jackets at the moment? Well, to touch on Larson, it was... I was worried they were going to give him another year as Mm -hmm. being able to write it off for injuries, but it was, I mean, the writing was on the wall. I think everyone could kind of see it. It was just whether or not they would, you know, actually pull the trigger on doing that. Um, His player usage just drove me crazy from the start. Mostly like, I don't want to bring up his name because I'm (laughs) at him now for, uh, for scoring that goal against Pittsburgh, but (laughs) Like Emil Bemstrom was one of the the major pain points for me, just that, you know, his treatment compared to treatment of other players. I feel like he had such a short leash and he definitely mm-hmm. played favorites. Um, but not even that, just player usage in general would drive me crazy. You know, skating the fourth line as a second line. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that went into the, just the whole horrible season in general. I mean, you know, the injuries were the biggest write-off of the year, but just like everyone already set up, even before that all came out, we started three and nine. Mm-hmm. I think from there it was it was never going to be good. I don't think they were going to catch fire and you know jump back into the playoff conversation, even if they stayed healthy. So the pain of this season, let's just all hope it's uh, it's worth it here in the next couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah, amen to that. And as an additional pain point here. Uh, with you being up there in Cleveland, you've been keeping an eye on the monsters and uh, did they really have any shot here or was it just ultimately too many players that they lost to the blue jackets down the stretch there? Yeah. I mean, that was equally as frustrating and I mean, really no fault of their own. Like they had, they really had no business hanging around. I mean, obviously they, uh, the AHL playoff format is pretty ridiculous where (laughs) the vast majority of teams make it. But even still, 
they they didn't have much business hanging around for as long as they did. Um, I mean, even that last crucial stretch, they were calling up players and sending them back down. They were playing, some of them were playing four games and four nights on yeah. that time. So, I mean, God bless them. They, they got back in it, and then when it came down to the wire, they just, I don't know if they ran out of gas or what, but uh, just couldn't get over the hump. And it pretty much the worst-case scenario for all of them that, you know, no playoff hockey for, you know, Cole Sillinger or any of those mm-hmm. young guys down there. Um, I mean, most of the games leading up, it, they should have at least had a playoff atmosphere since right. they needed every single point possible. Um, but yeah, hats off to Trent Volgahuber for for keeping those guys in it as long as they they did, especially as a first year coach. I'm uh, definitely I, I like the direction he has them going in. Yeah, I agree. Everything I've heard from him, he seems like a very impressive coach to me. Uh, even in his interviews and his press conferences. Um, you know, maybe reading too much into it, but he maybe seems more thoughtful than Larson did, um, or at least has a more clear vision for what he wanted that team to be. Um, now, obviously, he has a different job there because Larson was trying to win games at an NHL level, and ultimately Vogelhuber is just trying to develop players, and the wins right. are kind of secondary to that. But I think it speaks to his development that even despite the loss of talent that they were still getting wins down the stretch. He, he gave those guys something to play for. They were rising to the occasion. And I think you saw a lot of guys having really good seasons. Obviously David Yerichek, I think has to stand out as one of the successes for the monsters this year. Um, I know you're a big fan of Trey fix with Uh Now, do you think, uh, where do you think uh, he is at in his career here? Obviously he put up huge numbers with Cleveland this year, got a few chances with the jackets. Um, seems like he probably doesn't have much more to prove at the AHL level. Do you think he's ready for a bigger NHL role next season? And is there room for him in Columbus? I do think he is an NHL player. I thought that coming into this year mm-hmm. that he could have started. I mean, his performance in the AHL pretty much showed that. I, I think he got kind of a raw deal yeah. with, with how little he actually played. Like he was – the best player on the team. And I think that's part of the reason why it's almost like when you're the best worker at your job, you just get rewarded with more work. Right. Uh, (laughs) He was pretty much tasked with carrying that monsters team. He finished, I think he finished with 71 points and maybe 61 games. Mm -hmm. The next closest player to him had 39 points. So, I mean, just the gap in, you know, point production, it's not the only stat, but it's so telling as to, you know, him being down there and just dragging that team along on his back. So many Molly point nights. Um, so yeah, he's definitely ready for an NHL shot. I hope that he, cause I mean, he, he's not going to be happy staying in the minors again. Like right. what does he have to prove? Um, just, you know, homegrown talent at this point, they've brought him up where you'd hate to lose somebody like that, you know, requesting a trade if they feel like they can make better opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I, where he fits in next year, that remains to be seen. I don't think he's a, he's not a fourth line player. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's stout. He's, he's a thick guy <laughs> uh, and he's not, a, he's not afraid to throw a hit, but I mean, face it, he's five, seven. I mean, you, I don't know how much you want him, you know, banging bodies on the fourth line. So aside from that, I mean, I don't know where he would necessarily slot in. I hope they do make some room for him though. Cause he's, he earned his shot. Yeah. It does feel like we have a lot of these guys that are sort of, 
they're not really NHL top six guys and certainly not better than other options we have. They're like, you know, Line A, Goudreau, Marchenko, Johnson, those guys. But then also how many third and fourth line spots do we have for all these guys? I feel like we have a little bit of a surplus of those types of players. And um, what's tough there too is I don't know what kind of trade value you have for guys like that. So we're not necessarily going to get the right return if we trade those types of guys. And But I do think some of them might have a better shot in a different organization. And that's, that's kind of a shame, um, especially for a guy like Fix Wolanski, who was, you know, a late round pick kind of just taking a flyer on a guy like that, especially like you said, with the size and everything, but he seems to have um, risen above that. And I, I think he's a very intriguing player. I obviously I'm, I'm partial to the short guys myself and <laughs> like, like when they do well. So um, yeah, I hope that he finds uh, a place for success, whether it's here or whether it is um, elsewhere. Now you mentioned the uh, Emil Bemstrom goal against Pittsburgh. And I admit I had such um, split opinions about that because um, you know, obviously there were the tanking implications that we were all aware of, but at the same time, it's like, this is a guy that has had his struggles, has been trying to make the most of his opportunities. And one thing we wanted from him was like, can you be a power play sniper? And here he scored on a power play snipe to get us back in the game against Pittsburgh, who we hate and who we want to see a win against. Uh, so I, I just had such torn reactions there. Uh, and I, I, I wrote about this uh, at the end of the season about my, my feelings on the whole, the whole tanking situation and, you know, understanding the logic of tanking, but also having struggling with the emotional side of it and having to like, root against your team and how it's unfair that the system puts us in that position. Uh, where did you land on the whole tanking debate? Yeah, I was straight up not have, not did not have a good time. <laughs> it was, I didn't enjoy watching this team for the vast majority of the year. Yeah. And at the end it went like it increased so much because it was such a weird mindset to be in where, you know, the Jackets would be losing, and I'd be worried they're going to come back and, you know, get a loser point, which they've got way too many of those down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's it's so unnatural to root against them, where I was doing the uh, the Ottawa game where Marchenko scored the overtime goal to yeah. win it mm-hmm. for his 21st, and I was so mad that they got that point initially, but then – when they when he won scored that goal, to see the reaction from him, Gaudreau, like you can't help but be happy when your team wins like that, and just seeing it from the players. Um, but yeah, it was just a total mind mind f to uh, be watching games with that mindset. I uh, I hope we're not here again. It's right. uh, it's not natural to uh, to root against your team, but like I said, if we had to do it, I mean, God, this was the year. So please just, we need just a tiny bit of luck after having none. Yeah. So what, what does your gut tell you about where we'll end up in the lottery here in a couple of weeks? (sighs) I've lived through too many disappointments where (laughs) I'm like, Oh, it's going to be four. But at the same time, how many times can you do that before you hit? We're due. Um, Yeah. With that being said, I, th- I think we're going to get two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
probably three, just enough to really make a tough decision. Sure. Um, you know, one and two probably be gone. And now we're hearing so much about Will Smith that, mm-hmm. and Leo Carlson was always the consensus three. I just read an article today about Will Smith and the athletic where I'm like, yeah. oh, all right, well maybe, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I'll jump on board. With it. <laughs> um, I was originally of the mindset of you have to take Mitchkov just based on that pedigree where he's mm-hmm. had a historic year in Russia. Like it, they say he's the most productive Russian player of like his draft age or yeah. obviously his draft age, but um, draft year within the last, however long, but, and now I'm seeing, you know, digs on him where he doesn't, uh, aside from his shot, that's elite. He actually is uh, behind in other things. So, I mean, on that, I think Will Smith is going to end up a blue jacket. That's the long story short. I think they would even consider him at three at this point if they fell into it. Wow. That is, that is a hot take, but I, I do think you might be onto something. Um, I know that, you know, Aaron Portsland has said too that he doesn't think the Jackets would take Mitchkov, that if they were at four and Carlson was off the board, that they would probably lean towards Smith over Mitchkov because because he can play center, because he'll be here sooner. Um, I, I agree that I'm concerned about the timeline with Mitchkov because you know Goudreau's contract is sort of our window. We need we need to be a lot better while he is still at the peak of his production, and there's maybe only three, four more years of that realistically. And I don't necessarily want Mitchkov coming in just at the end of that. And given the the need we have at center, especially a top line center, you know. So I think we need someone that can play that position. Now I do think that Smith probably is not a next year player for i think he's probably going to go and do he's like it's, college yeah he's com- he committed there which you know i think when we drafted sunday mulatto he was committed to bc as well but we steer him the oh, ohl was- route instead yeah. but i think yeah smith's a guy that'll do a year in college even fantilly there's a chance that he might do one more year at michigan so you know i don't know if either of those guys would be uh able to contribute right away but i can wait i can wait a year yeah. on a guy i don't want to wait three years on a guy uh, but yeah, it's interesting that that Smith stock seems to be rising a bit. I don't feel like we just don't hear as much about Carlson. No, uh, so I'm curious to dig more into him. Uh, but I do wonder if it's a case where, uh, you know, picking between Carlson and Smith, if it's going to be like 2016 and Carlson's the Puliyarvi type that was like, oh well, he's in the top three, but he's clearly the three. But instead, we go for the North American skater. That's big center, hard working type. Uh, that's you know, Smith's like a Dubois type. So yeah, um, I mean, yeah. The more I listen, he's he's had the best, uh, most productive uh, career with like the U.S. development team. Yeah, like he surpassed Jack Hughes um, and Austin Matthews. Yeah, he's put yeah, more career and, points than those guys, which is that's saying like, a lot. Very. I mean, it, it just speaks to the drafter because he did that very quietly. Yeah. Like, I'm just learning this sort of thing about you know, the consensus number four, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all's not lost if they slip to four. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to help the disappointment, but I'm, uh, I've am i felt a lot better about it the more I've looked at Will Smith. 
Well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think I mentioned it in our chat that in most years where we're not picking at the very top, we're talking about a lot of prospects that we really don't know as much about. These are not the super hype prospects. These are the bottom of the top 10 kind of guys we're looking at. And so we don't know much going in and whoever we pick, we end up talking ourselves into, Oh, well, this guy could be okay. Or, oh, maybe we're, or maybe we're skeptical at the time. You know, like a lot of people didn't like the Dubois pick, but like as the season went on, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe there's some interesting things about this guy, you know? And I think, uh, or probably be stages of grief for Jackets fans, depending on how the lottery goes, depending on who we pick. And but over the summer and over next season, we'll talk ourselves into the guy because he's our guy, you know. So one way or the other, we'll, you know, we'll uh, we'll hope for the best, no matter who we get. But I'm still I still got my fingers crossed for uh, Fantilli. Uh, again, he screams blue jacket to me. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got some uh, news to discuss. All right, we're back, and there is some Jackets news from last week uh, since we last recorded. Uh, some thing that we were hoping for, but it was still kind of up in the air. Uh, Alex Texier is confirmed to be coming back next season. Uh, the team announced it. When I still wanted to hear from him the next day, sure enough, he had a meeting with media. He was actually in Nationwide Arena, so he came back to Columbus. So this is happening. Uh, the final year of his contract – uh, by mutual agreement is rolling over to next season. And then he will be an RFA after that. Um, so Josh are, first of all, did you, did you think that Texie would be back? And how do you feel now that it's confirmed that he's back? I did not expect him to come back. Honestly. Um, you know, we don't know what happened with, with his family aside from, you know, something tragic. Um, and I just, there's a lot of guys where you, it was written about today where, you know, being half a world away from your family, some guys you can play hockey and he could play in Europe and still live very comfortably. You know, yeah. maybe I thought that was more important to him. And if, if, you know, if that was the case, then who am I to, you know, fault the guy for wanting to be near his family. Sure. Um, that being, I had, I'd written him off from like, for the most part, it would be nice if he had come back, but I was, you know, drawing up next year's lines without him, in mind, honestly. So kind of have to slot him back in there. I'm definitely <laughs> glad to have him, um, you know, an infusion of young, young skill who can play the center position. So I'm thrilled he's coming back. Like he even said, he's going to have to, you know, come to camp next year and earn it all over again. So definitely mm -hmm. interested to see, you know, how he shows up next year. Um, but by all accounts, I'm just happy to hear that he's, you know, doing much better, happy to play hockey again, which, you know, if you're in that mindset where you're just not enjoying hockey, there's there's no reason to do it. It's a game, yeah. After all, you know, you get paid really well for it. But at the you know, at the end of the day, you have to love what you do. And it sounds like he lost that in Columbus. Yeah. If he's happy to come back, then we're happy to have him back. Yeah, and and he you know was not willing to really go into detail about what he went through. He wanted to kind of focus on the future. And, uh, and I respect that, you know, we can't force him to talk about it if he's not comfortable, but I do hope that he is in a better place. He seems uh, eager to get going on it. You know, he came over to Columbus so he could meet with the training staff, come up with a plan. Uh, he's going to compete in the world championships for team France again. So that'll be a good way of, you know, getting some more hockey action in and then focus on the off season. Um, it'll be interesting if we, you know, do go with an outside hire, which, I hope that we do. I'm concerned that they might go with Vincent and that's a whole 
that's a whole thing. But, um, you know, an outside staff, you know, they're, they won't come in with any sort of preconceived notions about him or, or what he can do. Um, I'd probably pump the brakes on the whole center thing just because he has not really played that position a lot in his career. Um, he was, he was playing wing over in Switzerland. His best moments in Columbus have been on the wing. So I think that that's probably the spot for him. I think he could maybe slide him over to center in an emergency situation. You know, if we really have a shortage there, need to move some guy over, but I think he's a wing now. Unfortunately, I do think it adds to what we talked about earlier and that log jam of bottom six wingers. Um, but I do think that he slots in higher than a lot of these guys in my estimation. You know, I t- I put him above Robinson or Olivier or Foodie, and you know, and nothing gets any of those guys because all three of those guys had good seasons in their own right. But I think Texier adds a lot more, um, and he's the type that you know could move up into the top six or at least you know middle six there in a pinch if needed. Uh, but that's the same role that a guy like Justin Danforth has, you know, who's, he's going to be back as well after his injuries. So um, that's, it's a lot of tough decisions to make, I think in camp, but ultimately I think it can be a good thing because the cream's going to rise to the top. And I think it's good to have choices as opposed to like, okay, I guess we got to throw this guy in here because we need to follow the roster. So we've got a lot of good choices so we can hopefully have the very best bottom six and, you know, if we can put up something like Seattle did this year too, where your third and fourth lines are still able to contribute a lot. And if you have guys like Texier who is defensively responsible, but can also chip in some goals. uh, And that's what you want. I think from those depth positions. Yeah. I, I I did forget that he said that he had been, uh, been playing wing in Switzerland Mm -hmm. too. Plus, you know, we got Patrick Liney as a uh, as a <laughs> year, so yeah, we probably won't need them. Uh, which, yeah, you know, that's he reiterated at the end of season yeah. press conference that he still is interested in doing that. So we'll see I, what the new coach thinks. But that's interesting, interesting wrinkle if, uh, if anyone still wants to go that route. So yeah, I mean, if I don't know if we're still doing that next year, we're probably in trouble again. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't hate it, and I don't hate the fact that. Uh, once Florida gets bounced, because that's going to happen pretty soon. Um, you know, he'll go train with, in my opinion, one of the best centers in the league with Barkov. So yeah. he, he could learn a lot for the position. Like if he does need to fill in, um, you know, maybe he could do it more effectively than Nick Felino when he filled in <laughs> a, a while. Um, but I just like that. It keeps like, it forces Liney to stay engaged. Yeah. doesn't necessarily always put him in the spot, you know, to unleash his one time or anything, you know, playing in the middle, but, but I did like that aspect of it where you, you notice him more and not for necessarily like, you know, the bad things that I would notice at times where, you know, just turnovers and just forcing him to keep playing and more responsibility on his plate, I think uh, just allows him to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I'll be curious to see too, because he will also be competing in the world championships. Um, for Team Finland, part of the, some of the games are going to be in his hometown of Tampere, where the Jackets were earlier this season. Um, so I don't know if Team Finland sees him as a center, but it would be nice if they could give him some reps there to um, 
so you can continue to work on that in some you know live game action uh, prior to training camp next year. So that is something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, all right, got a little bit of time left. Uh, the playoffs are underway for the first time since 2016. We have no sweeps in the first round, uh, which is not something that I expected, but I've enjoyed the competitiveness of every series. I would say so far my favorite series is Edmonton, L.A. That has been nothing but amazing games so far. Um, what have you been able to watch the playoffs so far? What has stood out to you? Uh, I've, I haven't watched as much. Usually my my evenings of uh, not once the jackets are done, they usually consist of like Toy Story Bluey or <laughs> something like that. Um, I have caught a little bit of New Jersey. I don't know why I've kind of – gravitated to them i think i'm just a big jack hughes fan i'm excited to see him in his first playoff series yeah uh, glad they were not sweeped by new york uh, <laughs> i definitely want to see new york bounced uh, i think mm-hmm. new jersey's winning right now um so if they can uh, yeah, draw even in that series then uh, i think they're going back to uh to new jersey then with a uh, three-game series back with uh, home ice advantage for new jersey so been following that one um, I, I caught some of the, the really odd penalties that were called, uh, was it yesterday? Uh, yeah. It's Felino in particular. Oh yeah. And then I caught his post game comments, which I mean, can't disagree with him. Um, curious to see what the league thinks about, uh, <laughs> choice words, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that, uh, has become a big, uh, big topic this uh, postseason. Yeah. Yeah. The refing has been very inconsistent. And I think that is a problem. And, you know, I think Batman has kind of poo pooed that in recent years, but I do think he needs to address it because, and look, you know, officiating hockey, it's a really hard job. I get it, but there needs to be accountability. And I forget which player has said that maybe heard it from a few different players in recent months with like, Hey, look, we as players are held accountable when we make mistakes. And yet when the refs make mistakes, we don't know what accountability they have. And so that needs to even out a bit. Now, I don't have sympathy for Marcus Foligno. Um, I think he crosses the line too often. So even if a bad call goes against him, uh, I feel like it's karma, sort of. So, like, you know, he was mad that he got called for tripping while he also got hit in the face of the stick. But it was a trip. It was kind of a borderline trip, but it was a trip. And the stick hit his face because the guy was falling. So... Uh, but yeah, he went to the box a few times. Dallas got a few power play goals, but uh, I think it's kind of what he deserves for the way that he plays. So I honestly didn't have a problem with it. And I like this Dallas team a lot better than I like this Minnesota team. Um, but that that was a fun game to watch. It was also neat seeing uh, Jody Shelley and John Luke Grant yeah. calling it for TNT. I know they've been calling playoff games for a few years, but uh, it's still cool to see. I think and uh, John Luke has... Um, He's improved from year to year on that, honestly, as well. Uh, and I thought he did a really great job there between the benches. So fun to hear them. It was just an entertaining game. That's been a good series. Um, Gus Nyquist is having a good postseason. He's like a point-per-game player yeah. so far for Minnesota. So uh, I'm glad to see yeah. that. I'd like like to see him do well, but I still want uh, – Dallas is my pick to make the final. Um, so I want to see them pull this out. Uh, I hated the the Joe Pavelski injury. That was a shit. That that was an ugly, ugly hit by Matt Dumba. Really didn't need to happen. I agreed with the uh, Saad Youssef, the uh, beat writer for Dallas, who said like 
if that is a legal hit, then we need to change the rule book because I think, and I agree, I think we need to take away those kind of hits where a guy is just trying to blow up a guy. Yeah. You know, he, was, he wasn't trying to get the puck because Pavelski had already passed the puck before Dumba started his hit. And then the way that he elevated into him, like people are like, oh, shoulder to shoulder. Like, yeah, but he didn't need to hit the shoulder. He could have just driven to the body, but he was trying to knock his head off there. And it looks worse because of the injury. I get it, but that's, I don't like that. I don't like that kind of hit. Yeah, poor Joe. He's uh, had a rough uh, few playoffs in the the last few. Um, What is he, 38 years old? I mean, those hits... Feel like they're they get harder and harder to come back from yeah they're showing you know clips of him taking that hit in the vegas san jose series back in i guess that was 2019 and yeah, yeah so you, you hate to see that happen and, and he was one of the best like old guy without a cup uh in in this postseason you know everyone was pulling for him to finally win one so uh hopefully he can recover and if dallas moves on that he can uh rejoin them eventually but uh tyler sagan has been sort of revived here uh, playing with that top line so uh, i'm curious to see where uh, where that series goes then so hopefully dallas can uh, get some of their money's worth on that contract <laughs> yeah absolutely right um all right well that will do it for us this week thanks to everyone for listening also big thanks to our paid subscriber of the week steiner man he was one of the first ones to sign up as a subscriber he is the king of section 209 uh, and and a good good man, good friend. So thank you to Steinerman for subscribing. If you like what we do here, want to support us, you can also go to jacketscanon.com and sign up and do a paid subscription. Every little bit helps, so we appreciate that. Uh, and again, thanks to the Fans for Sports Network for uh, having us on board as well. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscanon.com or follow us on Twitter at cbjcanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.